at the close of the message last week, we said that we would begin examining the words of chapter 8 of the book of Revelation. And we'll do that in a moment, but I do feel each week that we need to go back and rehearse to ourselves some of the things that we've been studying, and especially uh, the beginning words of our study here, words that will help us to grasp why these angels that we're going to read about here in chapter 8 will be pouring out this terrible wrath of God upon the people and the nations of the world. I want us to recall again the words there in Matthew 24 when the Lord Jesus spoke about these events that seem to lay just ahead of us in those soon coming end of days. There in Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus declared to us that yes, yes, those days will surely come. And He described them. And He said that they will be terrible days. Terrible beyond any measure we could imagine or comprehend. And they'll begin without warning. First, with the rapture of all of His saved ones as we are caught away to be with Him in the heavens. Let me read those words about the rapture. That's in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 36. But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And then with His people having been caught away to be with Him, God then will begin to pour out His wrath upon the earth. Slowly at first, and then building to such a violent measure that no flesh anywhere upon the earth will be able to withstand the force and the misery of that wrath. And let me read about that also in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 4. He tells us there, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in My name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. 
By the way, those verses all referring to various things that we've studied so far, such as this gospel being preached. Recall the message that we gave on the 144,000. Those are going to be missionaries that God's going to put out there during the last days. And then, and here's the key expression that we studied last week, verse 15 of Matthew 24. So when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, and he says here, let the reader understand what that means. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, they're in Jerusalem. They're on the mount. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Strong warnings. Strong warnings from the Lord Jesus. And for you and me, as in no other time in history, I believe, these words that I just read, they ring so eerily familiar. They are exactly mirroring many of the events that we can actually see taking place all across our world this very day. And especially there in the Middle East. And especially in those nations that are closely surrounding Israel. These events today are surely those birth pains that Jesus spoke about. And it won't be long. Now, with all of that as a reminder, may we now pick back up where we left off last week with the events that are given to us there in Revelation chapter 8. And I'd like you to turn to Revelation chapter 8 and read along with me. I'm reading this from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. When He opened the seventh seal... Now, let me give you a reminder. Up until this point, Jesus had opened six seals. He had broken them open. And they described the miseries and the wrath that were yet to come. And this then is the seventh seal. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now here is Jesus opened this seventh seal for a short while and it tells us here that it was a half an hour. Perhaps it, it was exactly a half an hour, but it was especially for just a short period of time. And what took place? It was prayers. Prayers and supplications of the saints. Both those gathered around the throne of God 
there in heaven, but also the saints, they're here on earth. And they were being offered up to God. It says there in verse 4, the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Consider this for a moment. The worst disaster that would ever come upon mankind was about to be unleashed with a fury. Death and destruction would have no bounds. It would begin with this and it would never end. Not until everything on the earth would be destroyed. So then, yes, fervent and passionate prayer was that next most appropriate thing to do. Would those people be praying that God would not destroy the earth? No. No, they knew the will of God. He was going to destroy the earth. So what would their prayers be about? There were still those evangelical 144,000 missionaries and many others there on the earth that were out there giving the gospel in those final days. Prayers for them. Prayers for the salvation of many who would hear their message. But also, they were praying that God's will would be done because you'll recall in another portion we gave in another message, they were crying out to God, why have not you not gone ahead and avenged our death? And the Lord said, I'll do that, but only after others have been brought in, others have been martyred and brought in. So a lot of prayers, a lot of different forms of prayer were taking place. And the saints were the ones to do it because they cared. They cared. Everyone else on the earth was self-centered. They had their eyes focused on themselves. And you'll recall in the chapter that we studied about the two witnesses, those people were crying out for those two witnesses to be killed. So they couldn't pray. So it would be the saints gathered around the throne and those on the earth. In verse 5, this is where the misery begins. It'll begin in earnest and again, it will never let up. Verse 5, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. May I stop here for a moment? Now, this is God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. There's still going to be a lot of people left, but we're starting out now with 7 billion people on the planet. Over 7 billion. There are billions of people starting to die here in a short period of time. There will be enough to fight in the great battle of Armageddon. So, yes, so many are dying. 
but there will be enough to fight in that last battle. Verse 10, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the water became Wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter, poisonous. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light may be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining. And likewise, a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Now recall again the setting for what is taking place when these woes begin to be poured out upon all the people and the nations of the world. The rapture has taken place. The Antichrist has risen to power and in full domination over everything, everyone and everything that's taking place on the earth. And with the help of the two beasts that have joined with him, these two that together they make up what is called the unholy trinity. The Antichrist has first befriended most of the people of the earth. He formed alliances in every venue of life and especially within the religions of the earth. He brought the religions under one roof and especially Israel because that was where he was going to set up what he would do next because then suddenly after he had drawn them all together the Antichrist reduced all of the religions down to just one his own, a one world religion. And it would be a religion in which he would be the supreme leader, declaring himself to be God. A religion in which everyone must worship him. And those who would refuse to worship him as God would be killed. This one world religion, again, was going to be set up there in Jerusalem. And that was what Jesus was speaking about as he spoke about the prophecy from the book of Daniel about the abomination that brings desolation. That is this wicked religion that sets itself up upon the mount of God. Now at the same time that he, the Antichrist, is doing this in establishing his one world religion, he's also bringing all of the financial systems of the world under his dominion under his power and his control, fully instituting this 666 system. And the merchants of the world, they are all especially forthcoming in their alliances with the Antichrist. Why? It's because they're in what is now going to be called the new Babylon, Babylon the Great. They will become wealthy beyond anything they had ever imagined. And so they reached for that. Recall we read these verses in a recent message. Verse 3 of Revelation 18. All the nations had drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That's speaking of Babylon the Great. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now, a quick warning 
as we study these words, and I give you this because I have to warn myself regularly. Unfortunately, words of prophecy are often so mysterious and too mysterious for our natural minds to clearly grasp their full meaning. And as we struggle to understand these words, too often our imaginations get involved. And our imaginations, your imagination, can take you down a wrong pathway. And so you need to be careful. And so I admonish you and myself to always be careful to spiritually discern what we're reading here. Now with that warning in mind, I believe it's safe to imagine that during those first years of the tribulation, now the tribulation time will be seven years, and during those first years of the tribulation as that Antichrist rises to power, he seeks to win the favor of the people of the earth. And he does. Now there will be suffering, a lot of suffering. But for the most part, the people of the earth who join in with what the Antichrist is doing in his ways they will probably live a life that is somewhat pleasing during those very difficult times. Adopting an attitude of simply do what you're told and take advantage of the benefits available to you and everything will be all right. Why do we say that? It's because that's what we do now. That's very similar to the systems that are in place already in our nation and also many of the other nations of the world. Here in America, between the provisions of our EBT cards, our Medicaid, our Medicare, and all of our other government-sponsored provisions, people survive now, and they'll survive then. And some will survive very well. They'll know how to take advantage of the system. And so in those days, will not the 666 system simply only be a short step further than where we are right now? We're being primed for it right now in our thinking. And then when you figure the financial systems that seem to be put into place there in that new Babylon, we studied that chapter, chapter 18, it doesn't look much different from a capitalistic system. A runaway capitalistic system, yes. But one that's already being practiced to a great extent just not well controlled in those days. And that would be a logical progression for a financial system that's controlled by greedy demons. Taking great profits when you can, crushing the competitors. Those words again, Revelation 18. The nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. They would prostitute themselves for gain, for financial gain. Merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Recall that we studied a week or two ago how when Babylon started to fall, they were crying out, crying out, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because Babylon the Great, while it will rise to financial greatness and will initially thrive with greedy men getting wealthy, God will not permit that wickedness to continue for very long. These trumpets that we're reading about here, these bowls of wrath, will quickly take their toll. They will bring to a halt the conduct of business in the world, and commerce will collapse. Verse 7 of chapter 8, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. 
And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and the green grass was burned up. Now whether this hail and this fire and the blood spoken about here can be explained by asteroids or whatever else, portions of stars that collide with the earth, we can't know. We really can't know what exactly what God is describing here. But we do know that they are coming directly from the hand of God. And they do have a purpose, and that is to destroy the earth. And they'll do exactly that. Imagine what will take place when a third of the earth is burned up. It's hard for our minds to grasp. A third of the trees are burned up. All of the green grass is burned up. People all over the earth will die in massive numbers when a third of the earth is destroyed. Massive numbers. And then from the ones who are left alive, starvation and disease and plagues will quickly follow with them. As I said a moment ago, business and commerce will simply come to a halt because the people will be in such a disarray. Those business leaders that had gotten so rich off of the financial systems of the Antichrist. They'll not be able to enjoy all their ill-gotten gains. Verse 8, The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the sea. We would think that he's speaking there of not only the Mediterranean Sea, but the oceans of the world. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. A third of the ships were destroyed. I stood in San Francisco Harbor one time and I watched all of these cargo ships coming in loaded with so many, many of these cargo containers that they take off of the ships and put on the trucks and are hauled a way for us to go and buy in stores. A third of the ships will be destroyed. Commerce will come to a stop. And then it says that the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made poisonous. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck. A third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. I've watched too many of those science shows on TV that as you have what they would envision as being asteroids, perhaps, or meteorites hit the Earth, that it would only take a reasonably sized one to actually put the Earth into darkness for a long period of time. So we're talking about here, the Lord is saying that there would be just a few hours of daylight that would be left for people to get about whatever they might be able to still get about the earth being destroyed a little at a time. These mountains and these parts of the stars falling to the earth bring this death and destruction. I find it hard to imagine 
that taking place. Trying to drink water and not knowing if it's poisoned, if you're going to die, but you have to drink water. It says that so many people will die and fish and other sea life will die, bringing more and more disease to the earth. Can you imagine the stench of the decay of all of those animals and all of the people who are just lying there unburied because people are trying to survive. Some of them will probably try to bury their relatives, but most likely there won't be even much of that. Again, starvation with commerce coming to a halt, misery, darkness. It's a bleak, very bleak outlook with no relief because it's only going to get worse. Only going to get worse. I want to stop there because that then will lead me into chapter 9, I think it is, that will carry on forward with these last woes of these three angels. But there in verse 13 of chapter 8, there's this eagle flying over and he's giving another warning. Why does he give warnings? He gives warnings because there's still a few who have a few hours left, a few days left to give their hearts to Christ. And he cries out, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Again, Lord willing, we'll pick back up there next week. Let's, let's pray.